Leadership in the creative industry has the ability to influence brands and agencies in one direction or another, where communication then follows. Today, we are joined by one of the most inspiring leaders from both the brand and agency perspective. Abi Mokhotane is the Managing Director of Brand, Communications and Sponsorships at Vodacom. He was previously the CEO of Ogilvy South Africa before joining Vodacom and the CEO of a global brand experience agency, VWV, prior to that. These are some of the strategic and leadership roles that AB has held in just over 20 years across the marketing, communications and advertising industries. Purpose-led leadership and the implementation of that purpose, AB believes, can move both society and business forward positively. We talk about the role of artificial intelligence in digital marketing and gathering insights for improved customer engagement. Because customers and stakeholders and regulators are choosing companies that are creating a more sustainable future. And if you can be a part of that, that circle of influence that does that, then I think you're going to be on a good uh, a trajectory. We also discuss what makes great agency and brand relationships that lead to compelling work which wins customers. This is The Lead Creative. Welcome to The Lead Creative, where we talk to the creative minds behind some of the leading brands, businesses, organizations, and top ideas that we all love. Our chats range from building brands, conceptualizing new products, strategy, and building businesses. I'm your host, Mongezim Tati. AB, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much, Mongezi. You have not only been in important leadership positions at brands and agencies over the past two decades, but you've also been a significant force for change and transformation across the creative industry in the roles you know, that you held. Thinking back to your childhood and your upbringing, what is it about that time that you think influenced your leadership style? Well, I think my leadership style is that I believe that everyone has got leadership capability and capacity in them, that everyone has value to add. And I grew up in my early years in a shop. I literally, we used to live in a shop. My parents had a shop in Winterfeld. Skandaf, uh, it's called, um, it's just north of Pretoria. And I grew up around an entire community of people that came from all walks of life that supported our shop in some way or other. Whether you were the guy who was washing cars, buying bread, or the businessman buying you know, dinner for his family, everyone had value to add. And I realized from a very early age that the sense of community and the sense of being able to understand the value that every single person can add is a, is a really important and fundamental aspect of how I look at life and how I've you know, thought about my own leadership style. Uh, my mother used to be in the shop and there were, you know, people that were mentally disabled in the townships. Now, back in those days, if you were mentally disabled, you were on the street. There was no yeah. facilities to look after you or take care of you. And these individuals who I saw and I could see were different to other people used to spend hours with my mother just talking. And she really taught me about the humility you really need as a, as a leader and the value that every single individual has in them. That's amazing and fascinating. And, and I mean, from that early age, it, it taught you a lot going forward about, I think, how you engage and interact with people from many different levels. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, also, you know, being black in South Africa gives you one of those perspectives where there's a guy who's a driver at work 
but on the weekend he's the pastor yes in his community so i was constantly fascinated at how people play these different roles and that just made me realize that you you have to treat every single individual with respect because in some aspect of their life they are a leader they are respected um they are the head of a household they are a contributor to whatever forum in which they are doesn't necessarily mean it's going to reflect in the thin lens in which you see them so yeah i learned that from a very very early age and uh i mean you're celebrating your 3 year anniversary at vodacom um i think as yes. of last week congratulations thank you how has the journey been for you in terms of a change in mindset and leadership approach having been on the agency side just prior to joining vodacom and now being on the brand side i moved to vodacom for three very specific reasons one i believed in the business's ability to be an agent of change just simply being telco you've got the scale to make a meaningful change and difference secondly it was a digital business i wanted to learn about digital businesses businesses of the future and thirdly i wanted to challenge myself and my own leadership style and my own experience and capability of working in an environment where i wasn't the boss where i wasn't the ceo where i had to operate and understand a new ecosystem that i knew nothing about and i've certainly in the time that i've had there really had an opportunity to to be tested by those three dimensions and really you know begin to craft my own leadership style around those three dimensions so yeah, i'm yeah. doing a much more work in the purpose space and that's something i'm really passionate about and i'm driving that within the business i am learning about a digital business and how that operates in businesses of the future and i learn every day uh, and the third aspect around just you know being in a telco telco is actually a very insular business a lot of the people that work in telco have been there for years and they simply move from one telco to another telco um so i i'm one of uh, you know a handful of people that are now coming into the sector that have to quickly learn but also help the industry adapt for the future and that's yeah. that's been awesome for me some of the things you mentioned um elsewhere when you're having conversations about i think the the transition from ogilvy to vodacom was that you wanted to work in a digital transaction business and you mentioned uh this digital space yeah. again now and one of the things you also said is that you also wanted to learn more about the continent and work in the continent especially yeah. from a different perspective you know in an industry as as influential as a telco across the african continent and 3 years in having now worked across the continent in a telco yeah. with the influence and you know the significance that a telco plays what key insights have you picked up that you know enable you to engage better with the customer from a brand perspective Telco in any of the markets that we operate I mean we in Mozambique Tanzania DRC Lesotho um as well as obviously in South Africa in many ways the influence of telco in those countries is much greater than in South Africa in Tanzania for example we are heavy users of Mpesa we've adopted the Mpesa uh, currency mobile and digital currency where people are buying everything from airtime electricity to other municipal services they are buying goods and services for their homes they're paying school fees there's so many different aspects that you can transact with mpesa on that it's way beyond what in the south african context would be used to because our banking system is so much more well established and that's really where that you know part of the things that have driven my passion 
in understanding the fundamental role that telco can play in helping a country and a society leapfrog. So, you know, we're constantly looking for ways in which we can use the platform and the customer that we've got to help move society forward. And and that's certainly what that kind of corporate and and Africa experience has given me, which is just something that I I never had while I was at, at Ogilvy. And how does the, I suppose, the engagement and interaction with, you know, with the customer across these different markets influence or at least contribute to communicating and interacting differently? Because like you say, you know, I mean, I mean, in some, sorry, in some markets, you mentioned that Mbesa is massive because of the difference in sort of banking systems. You know, the telco has an influential, at least significant role to play in those markets you know yeah i mean you know the interesting thing about telco again is that we communicate on a an above the line level yeah where we are doing tv radio but you're also communicating on a one-to-one level because people have you a cell phone in their hand and we kind of communicating directly to them and we very quickly get to understand nuances preferences because of that one-to-one engagement that we have with people. It's certainly given me a much richer understanding and a perspective and an appreciation mm. of how different people are. Even in one city, in one town, there are different people who are engaging with you in very different ways. So what it's done is, I think for me, is that it's allowed us to create work that is always relevant, that is always responsive to what people are going through at that particular point in time, because we've got a rich source of input. That's something that is rare in across industries. I mean, many industries think about FMCG, for example. Yes. It's very difficult to have that one-to-one engagement with, with our customers. So I'm really loving being able to communicate across the entire communication spectrum um, and getting feedback all along that, that value chain. Have any of these rich insights and findings changed your outlook on what makes a great sort of brand agency relationship? No, they haven't. I mean, I think the fundamentals are still the same, right? Mm. As an agency and a client, you need to understand each other's business models. Um, You need to appreciate and respect each other's differences and point of view. And you have to challenge each other. Obviously, you have to do the work. But I mean, let's take that for granted. And certainly coming from an agency side, moving over to here, I've I've seen, even within the way that I manage the relationship, some of the pitfalls that I thought that my clients were stepping into. So it's not like I've worked into this role and I've completely cleaned up and cleared up the agency-client relationship. I'm still seeing uh, some of those challenges. Obviously, I'm able to kind of, you know, I've got a bit of a better perspective around what's happening on the other side, but the challenges are still there. But, you know, like any relationship, you have to be clear about what the objectives are. You have to be very clear around how you measure success and you just have to kind of keep each other honest. Ray Dalio has a saying, he says, don't be kind, be accurate. You know, <laughs> accuracy is the, is the kindest thing you can do. And I, and I think we, we're really getting into a point now with our agency where we are much more transparent about what's working and what's not working. And we can deal with, the stu- with stuff much more objectively. Um, mm. And that's a difficult place to get to because you need to trust each other in order to do that. Does it take time to get to that point? Because because in other conversations that you know that we've had with um, agency leaders or industry thought leaders is that sometimes it takes a bit of time to finesse that relationship and get to that point. 
some some people are saying it takes years some you know there's no definitive time that it takes but does it take time and what gets you to that point where you are honest with your agency and you 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 challenge each other in a way that makes the communication better i have a perspective that 80% of the client agency relationship is on the client side mm. you know i think most agencies do well with a clear brief very clear objectives in terms of what they have to do and you know we've got a huge amount of talent in this country to be able to deliver it i think most of the problem sits on the client side where clients themselves find it very difficult to be clear around what their business ambition is making sure that you've got all your different stakeholders aligned making sure that when the agency hears feedback and gets feedback and direction it's coherent and consistent with everything else they're going to hear within the value chain so i think that in my view clients seriously underestimate how much work they need to do on the inside in order to facilitate an effective agency relationship so i think often the thing that takes time yeah. is not the interface between the client and the agency it's the interface between the client value chain itself such that by the time that interfaces with the agency it's clear it's singular it's very clear around what it is it wants to achieve that's that's the challenge it's the 17 reverts on yes. a piece of work it's the one person likes this the other person doesn't like that you know clients that are producing work that they like rather than work that customers like and getting all of those divergent views to coalesce into a a particular point in time that's the work hmm. That's really that's where the work is. That's a, that's a fascinating way of clarifying those dynamics and and what makes them work. Yeah, very yeah. That's definitely something that we'll we'll refer back to. One of the most important things that you mentioned or at least highlighted reflecting on the past two years at Vodacom is is insourcing your search, social and digital as well as programmatic media function, you know, which is a first at Vodafone as you mentioned. two questions yeah. on that right so yeah. has this insourcing been more effective and the other is with this being seen as one of those agency functions is there a growing trend or does this point to a trend of brands insourcing some agency functions or at least functions that were seen to be the realm of the agency i think that I mean let's speak about the principle of insourcing digital marketing right so yeah. digital marketing relies on a huge ocean of customer data some of it primary data um others it's not native to you so it's third party data sitting in one database and you have a whole lot of machines that then work out where to find those particular audiences and this machine learns on top of itself so once it picks up something and it gets a sale it's like oh okay this type of eyeball um this type of impression gives me this level of sale return and yes. it keeps learning and learning and learning on top of itself now if you're a small company it's okay to go and leverage a lot of a whole lot of third party data and some of your little data in order to make those decisions and effective decisions around where you're going to get the best return on um, investment with your digital uh, marketing when you're a big company like vodacom where you yourself are such a huge primary holder of customer data it doesn't really make sense for you to be sharing that information with an outside party which is what was happening in the past when that data was sitting within the agency environment hmm. so what we've done is we've simply got our own tech stack and we're using our own artificial intelligence to learn on top of each other and we're able to use that data to make the decisions much faster much more effectively than we ever used to before hmm. and we can protect that data because it's our data it's our customers data 
Um, so that's the play. And it makes sense if you've got enough scale to do that. It doesn't make sense where you, your market is a little bit smaller and you've got less customer data, where in that sense, it's better to just leverage um, yeah. data from elsewhere. And how's the sort of insights generation now that you've done this, this shift or you've made this, you've gone through this? It's been over 18 months now. We are moving, you know, we're probably the most advanced uh, market within the Vodafone um, ecosystem where we've got, we've insourced programmatic search uh, and social um, digital media. All of it is coordinated in-house. It just, it's made us much more efficient. We're getting really good um, improvements in our CPAs and our click-through rates are going up much faster and we're learning all the time. And we're even now beginning to integrate kind of digital media landscape that sits outside of Vodacom. So the stuff that we buy in other publishers, environments like Facebook, Google, with our own internal media, which is the stuff, you know, we have an advertising business that sells advertising on, on please call me. Yes. Uh, you, I'm sure you've seen those. And obviously we sell on our own platform. So now we're beginning to integrate those and we're integrating that with our direct communication. That is not the type of speed we'd be able to move at and efficiency we'd be able to get if we had still outsourced the entire digital marketing function. So just to go back to something you said earlier uh, on this, you know, agency and brand interaction or at least dynamic with the data that you are now getting and you are able to gather, how does that influence how you engage and or brief your agency now armed with these insights and this data, which, which you have access to at brand level? Hugely. I mean, look, obviously, we're at the point now where we've got a very sophisticated tech stack. You know, the, the learning and the, the learning that's happening is now powered by computers. Sure. And those computers sit on our system. And the success that we had in South Africa is even getting to the point now where we are considering developing one tech stack and that can be leveraged by other markets that we operate in with, within the continent. That's how successful it's been for us. Um, and, and certainly for me, it's been a a huge learning curve. I mean, I, I understood digital marketing, you know, at arm's length while I was at Ogilvy, but yes. now it's close to 37% of our budget, our marketing budget yeah. sits in that digital marketing framework. So it's, a, it's an incredible learning curve for me. It is definitely the future. So AI is something that is definitely like a, one of those things that will influence, I'm guessing, digital marketing, especially at scale, it looks like. Or at least yeah. the trends that you're picking up. It is. And, you know, it's constantly growing, right? So obviously, as internet penetration increases, and most people on the continent are going to access the internet through their mobile, we are heavily influential in that particular channel. And we are keenly looking at how a mobile device is really the gateway to so many different products and services that the more we learn about how to communicate effectively uh, and sell through this device the more effective we're just going to become as a business. Uh, and, and I think our learning is so much more accelerated because this is our network that we're operating in. We, you know, we don't have to go through a third party to get to the data and the interactions that we do. We're doing it directly. That's yeah. been the value. You recently put out a bursary to fund studies towards marketing, uh, towards a marketing degree at the AAA School of Advertising. And this was an absolutely phenomenal initiative that the industry received, I guess, very well as well. I mean, from what I saw, you know, um, yeah. how can the industry get involved in helping to grow this a bit more and reach out as well as support for um, young people or at least more wow. people who could learn? 
Yeah, you see, the bursary is meant to uh, help transform the industry further by finding mm. a black woman to basically be funded to do a four-year marketing degree at AAA, which is where I went to, where I went to school. The industry already through the ACA, the Advertising and Communications Association, sure. funds a number of bursaries, but it's through kind of company contribution. So I think the industry is playing a role um, yeah. somewhat. In fact, the majority role in finding bursaries, I think they, they fund something like kind of 20 or 30 bursaries. I'm doing one. Yes. What I'm hoping is that other leaders within our industry will take it upon themselves to kind of say, guys, let's put some money together. And also do this in our personal capacity. And obviously people will be able to, people contribute to it in, in different ways. I mean, I'll tell you why I did it as well. I mean, I, I'm very passionate about fighting against gender-based violence. And the reason I'm very passionate about it is that the woman in my life and the woman that I've worked with have been extremely instrumental in my career progression. And I just can't stand the thought that there are so many lights being put out by men through gender-based violence, that it's no longer fine for me to just stand up and saying I, I stand up against it, to just say yes. something, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to be a part of the solution because I know that I'm part of the problem. You know, I, I can no longer disassociate myself with the perpetrators of gender-based violence. I am part of them. Just by being a man in South Africa, we are all responsible for what's going on. So I believe that if we can all in our own little way, if someone can contribute time, if someone can contribute experience, if someone can contribute money, whatever you can, yeah. we can actually do something to help the economic emancipation of women. Mm. I believe if we can, if we can unlock the economic, if we can get, you know, emancipate women economically, it'll be a very big uh, way that we can, that we can defend against uh, gender-based violence. And the net effect of that is that we transform the industry yeah. uh, and bring more, more women leaders in here. I mean, quite interestingly, you know, when I started my career in advertising, uh, or in marketing, rather. Nuno was the CEO of Ogilvy. Yeah. Um, and New York was the CEO of Gray. Judy Van Dam was the CEO of J. Walter Thompson. And right yeah. now, there are very few female CEOs in the of agency groups in the country. And I'm like, yeah. where did that happen? Like, how do you go back yeah. on, on something like that? So yeah. again, I can't just you know shout out about it. I need to do something about it. And yeah, I'm hoping that it will inspire the people to do things personally. Yeah, to, and I'm to, sure to this thing ahead. I'm sure I'm sure it certainly will, just judging by the conversations that you know that that this has garnered, as well as I guess all of us being for the fact that you know the, the financial uh, economic emancipation of women is critical. Yeah. So it's not something that we can just um, you know sit by and just talk about. No, we need to do we need to play a much more active role. I mean, seriously, there's just no way around this thing, you know. So I'm hoping I can do that. And I, I, to be honest, I did not know how this thing would be received. I, didn't, I haven't even thought through how I could even expand it. I just wanted to just yes. get it done. I've been, I've been yeah. thinking about it for years and I was like, let me, yes. just, let me just do it. And then, you know, maybe next year I'll be able to kind of go to other people within the industry and say, okay, I've got one. Yes. Can you do another one? Or can you do a quarter of a one? Everyone must come up with their own name you know what i mean like yeah, this one yeah, can be yeah. the you know it can be the you know monge's entati bursary the whatever I, I think that's okay and then that's that's what i'd like to do you know i just want to see if we can start a groundswell of, of people that are committing personally to, to this thing on another note i mean one of the things that comes up a lot i mean you mentioned a transformation as well now and transformation comes up a lot what i want to ask though is 
in your view, how are we doing as an industry in terms of cultivating the new wave of leaders from both brands and agency side and also while also working towards diversity? So the diversity and transformation side, as well as helping to develop the new or new wave of leaders who are coming into these positions. I think it's really about providing, giving our personal time, you know? Sure. I think that, I think none of us have time. You know, you were saying earlier in the thing that like, you just don't have enough time or I'm busy. I think we're all busy. You know, yeah, there, absolutely. There's, there's no one, the fat has been squeezed out of, inefficiency has been squeezed out of our, our daily lives. Like we literally have to work for 18 hours a day just to stay in the same place. So I think that we need to find another hour, the 19th hour to impart and teach and share what we learn, you know, and learn from other people. I think that we need to create a, a much more uh, systematic way of sharing knowledge. And I mean, I'm loving what you're doing right now because, you know, you're chatting to me and I'm giving you my 20 years of experience in an yeah, hour's yeah. discussion. Sure. We need to do more of that stuff. And I think if we can do that more and more in all our different spaces, because we all occupy different spaces in this economy, then I think we'll move forward, you know. It's clear that you can't, you know, you, you can't succeed alone. Yes. So we need to really learn how to just kind of pay it forward with what we have. And I think that's, that's the intervention that we need to do. In closing, AB, how would you lead an emerging brand or agency with all that you've learned? You know, had sort of, if tables were to return with all that you've learned and you now had to lead an emerging brand or agency, or at least wave your magic wand towards a developing brand or agency that would challenge the status quo. How would you do it? Or at least where would you start? Or how would you take that, that leadership role or receive it differently or apply it differently, having learned what you have now? I think that your, what should drive you yeah. is a need to create uh, an impact for a better future, a more sustainable future for the world. I think if you start with that perspective, it will give you a very rich starting point from strategy development creative development and execution perspective. And I think for me, that's one of the biggest opportunities for agencies and companies. But I mean, let's within the agency space, I think that if you as an agency understood what shared the shared value economy was about, about what yeah. purpose-led organizations were about, yeah. which is essentially about making money but doing good at the same time. I think yes. if you understood that and you you understood how to look for opportunities, find opportunities, implement those opportunities and amplify them, I think it would put you in a very good space because customers and stakeholders and regulators are choosing companies that are creating a more sustainable future. And if you can be a part of that, that circle of influence that does that, then I think you're going to be on a good uh, a trajectory. I'm taking it for granted that we've got the standard skills that we need, digital skills, understanding how to do marketing strategy, understanding how to create great communication, understanding how to understand and listen to customer insights. Th that stuff I'm saying, let's just assume we all have it. Yeah. The next level of growth is going to be about our ability to create purpose-led organizations that create sustainable and positive change for the world. That's what I would do. So whichever organization uh, I ever go to, whichever agency I ever work with, Yes. Uh, whichever people I associate myself with, that's the common ground that I'm looking for. And I think it's it's something that's really going to give us the next the next uh, S curve of growth. Hmm. Are you seeing a lot of that though in the in the kinds of 
strategies and brand communication without mentioning brands or, or any specific strategies that points towards being more purpose-led i am because i yeah. you know i think i think i'm seeing a lot of communication about it because it's it's now it's in vogue yes everyone's talking about it because it's sexy and it it sounds great and it makes you look amazing and it you know it gives you a really great reputation i'm seeing less of the actual implementation of that i think we're still making our transition from under from thinking that being purpose-led is about csi into making it a central part of your growth strategy and, and i'm seeing less of that i am seeing some of it but it'll come you know i think Yes, yes. Like most things, you know, people need to talk about it and see it before they actually do it. I want to get to the point where as an agency or as an organization, you are doing and you are simply amplifying stuff that you're doing. So that coin kind of, you know, it needs to flip yes, a little yes. bit. Yeah, yeah. So that so that it's more it's more action oriented rather than something that we just communicate. Um, but implementation yeah. also reflects it. <clears throat> Absolutely. All right, AB, thank you very much for making the time to join us. It was an absolute honor to have you on the show. I mean, we'll keep following you uh, as you change the world. No, Mangazi, thanks a lot. And, and this is, for me, this is a, a great opportunity to think about some of the things you've asked me because it, like, it just refines your thinking yeah. around what it is you want to do. You know, I really appreciate the platform and I, I'll be watching you too, man. We'll be following you too. Thank you for listening to The Lead Creative Did you get one insight that's worth sharing from this episode? Please share it with a friend or anyone who might like it. Pop me some of your ideas and innovative finds on Twitter at Mongezi. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This podcast is also hosted on iafrican.com forward slash radio. You can find me and more of my content on mongezi.com.